2: Jerusalem, if I forget you Spagna come from me Jerusalem, if I forget you Let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do In the ancient days, we will return with no delay don't we We've been traveling from a state to state, and I don't understand what they say. Three thousand years with no place to be, and them want me to give up my milk and honey. Don't just see? It's not about the land on the sea, not the country, but the dwelling of His Majesty, Jerusalem. If I forget you, why can't gonna come from it, on Jerusalem? If I forget. you Alone, if I forget you, let my right hand forget what he's supposed to do. Rebuild the temple and the crown of glory. Years gone by about 60. B. Burned in the depths in the century, and I guess try to choke, about they couldn't choke me. But that night down I will not fall asleep, and I'm come overseas yes they're trying to be free. Erase the demons out of our memory. Change your name. Identity Of freedom, the truth, and the dark history Why is everybody always chasing me? Cut off the roots of your family tree Don't you know, that's not the way to be Jerusalem, if I forget you Why an agon come from it on? Jerusalem, if I forget you In my right hand, forget what it's supposed to do. Jerusalem, if I forget you Why an agon come from it I'm if I forget you, let my right hand forget what he's supposed to do. Caught up in these ways, and our words gone cold. Don't know which just to place. Case of the Simon Says. If I forget the truth, then my words won't penetrate. Babylon burning in the place can't see through the case Chop down all of them dirty ways. That's the price that you pay for selling lies to the youth. No way, not okay. Oh, no way, not okay. Hey. Ain't no one gonna break my. If I forget you, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. Jerusalem, if I forget you, (laughs) I had a gun, I promise you. Jerusalem, if I forget you, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. Jerusalem, if I forget you Let my right hand forget what he's supposed to do
3: and gentlemen, here on The Portrait of Solomon. Got a pretty good show planned for the day. We'll get a couple of my brothers on, see who wants to get on and chat. Going to be going over Genesis 35, um, specific what was posted in the title of the show, to be the cleansing and the changing of the garments. I think what the my brothers want to talk about is where where this is in relation to the timeline, what it means for us as a church, as the bride-to-be, what it means to truly prepare um, for this time of tribulation that is coming. And if we follow the example that Jacob did with his household here, Genesis 35, it's kind of a way of God showing us what we're supposed to do in our hearts. And at the same time that he's showing us what we're supposed to, he's also leaving us clues just to, to show us what is to come. And the way he does that in this chapter is pretty amazing. So hopefully we'll get my brothers uh Tims and Matthew on. Maybe we'll get John out here um if he chooses to join us. So somebody on hold, let's see let's see who we have. Hey, you're on the portico. Who's who's joining us today?
4: Hey, Jose. How are you?
3: Hey, Jim. I'm good. How are you?
4: Good. I, I see you, did, you didn't get my text. <laughs> I was calling in from a different number. <laughs> uh,
3: no. <laughs> my, my son probably has my phone up to see it, but but that's good. That's good that you're on. Yeah. How are you? So I'm doing good. Doing real good. It's uh, been a while since we've been on, so we need to get on here and, and cover this stuff. Uh, Just want you to check my audio. Um, The the music feed coming through is kind of funny, so if you can let me know if I start. uh, Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we have a a clean show today. Yeah, Yeah, you're cutting out a little uh, bit. Am I? Okay. Yeah. Jeez, it's starting to become a problem. I really hope this doesn't persist. Um, But we wanted to cover Genesis 35 today, and I think, I mean, we've been hitting... Throughout the past show that we're going to we're going to get to talking about how Joseph relates to the time of what God's trying to tell us there. And this is really a good place for us to start here in Genesis 5 because of what Jacob does when he cleans his house. So maybe if you want to, you know, just share your thoughts on that a little bit uh, before we get into the text itself what what it was about this chapter that really caught your attention.
4: Well, a- amen. I mean, you're 100% right. Uh, Genesis 35 is, it gives you, well, the, the story of Joseph and his brothers, it gives you uh, the timeline of events. And it's, um, the timing of the show could not be better. We've been talking about doing this for a few months Uh, But the timing could not be better because many people were expecting something to happen this week um, based off of what they think the timeline is. And anybody who is familiar with the Word of God at all would know that before something can kick off, you have to have uh, a return to holiness, Uh, That is made extremely clear starting in the New Testament uh, with the birth of John. He preceded Jesus by six months. And it's interesting if you compare that time, you had calculators that were entering into the temple knowing exactly what they had to give to cover up their sins. And today you have a similar thing happening with people thinking that all they have to do is say they're sorry. And their sins will go away. And of course, those are the perfect conditions which bring about a John the Baptist moment which has to precede the returning of the Lord because the ark cannot return to Israel unless those highways be completed. And those highways are made out of a very special material. Not only the highways, but... Some people who aren't even considering holiness, perhaps they're waiting on that third temple. Well, Jose, you and I both know that that third temple was made out of very specific materials. And those materials had to come from very specific places. And to make it uh, quite simple or speak plainly, those temple materials uh, come through your good works. And that cannot happen without holiness. You cannot buy your way into a new temple. God did not provide Israel with a bunch of money to go out and purchase temple materials. That's not how it happened. And that's not how it's going to happen this time. So whether you're waiting for the third temple or you're looking at blood, moon, tetrads, or you're looking at Rosh Hashanah, those people that want to calculate dates or look at uh, things a certain way. Um, I just want to remind you that God was quite clear and quite plain uh, for all of your calculating at the end of the day what is going to be important and what will happen is you will have a John Dem Baptist moment which precedes the returning into the promised land. Yeah,
3: I think that's real important, Tim's uh, we all come from different christian backgrounds different ways in which we were raised um and every uh, every denomination likes to point fingers at the other one and say well well you're doing it wrong you're doing it this way so from my perspective you know being raised a catholic right you're not told that this is the way you should operate but the way that it 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 it's applied in the world is you pretty much do whatever you want between monday and saturday and then come Sunday, you know, you confess your sins, you go to church and a clean slate uh, on to the next week. And various denominations have similar similar ways in which they deal with sin. And we understand that's not what the Lord wants. We understand that what the Lord wants is in our heart to want to do the right thing in our heart, to to follow the Ten Commandments and to follow the Beatitudes. And you know, we're going to stumble. We're going to, we're going to sin along the way. Sins that are, uh, because, of flesh. okay, that's, that's, that's handled by the Lord. But when you have those, those rebellious sins, those sins that are done willfully, the sins that are done, <clears throat> where once saved, always saved. So it doesn't really matter what I do. Uh, you know, I claim Jesus, right? That, that really puts us in a position and and uh, what God is telling us here in Genesis 35, that before we we arise and go up to Bethel, right? Go up to the house of the Lord. That's what Bethel means. That we're going to have to get rid of those strange gods that we have. We're going to have to cast those dirty, unwashed garments and put on clean ones. And, and that's, that's really what what when I was reading this chapter, Tim. And you know, I, I had a real hard time getting that stanza because God is just saying so much here uh, in, in those first few verses. Everywhere, everywhere, He's pointing directly to where He wants you to look on the timeline. Um, each of those words that that are in that first stanza. So that's what I took away from this. And 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 like you said, it really is a perfect way to. To lead us into investigating more of the timeline, um, see what what we're supposed to do to prepare ourselves. And the ironic thing, Tim, is if you do what's right, if you do those righteous acts, if you close your clothe yourself in those acts, um, like the Lord commands us to do, show you what is to come. He's gonna let you know. This is an important thing along the timeline this this is this is telling you how close how close I am to setting things off um, trying to investigate the timeline from the reverse end, you know figuring out the dates and then saying okay to uh I don't have to act right until you know six months from this date that's not that's not the way the lord you'll never have eyes if that's the way that's the way you're trying to view the timeline so that's kind of what I took away from this chapter gems.
4: Well, amen. I mean, what you just said, another way of saying it is uh, what Zephaniah said when he said that he's going to punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and fills their master's house with violence and fraud. And, you know, I I had a conversation probably two weeks ago with the gentleman that was talking about he couldn't wait uh, for the rapture because he wasn't happy in his personal situation and all his friends were in the same place. They, They were waiting eagerly for the rapture to happen and um i'm not trying to pick on anybody by saying that but at the end of the day what you said is 100 percent correct um he's not going to give you what is to come that way uh, it is only after you have put away those filthy garments that you can know what is to come because He has already told you he does nothing first without telling his servants. So if you don't know what is to come, you have a bigger problem than you realize. And I'm not saying that to sound smug or to... uh, I'm saying it simply because it's time to get serious. And we've been saying that for over a year now. Uh, People need to get serious and truly develop in themselves a love of the lord their god because if that is not there um they've got bigger problems than they realize
3: right i i couldn't tell you the last time i sat down with a christian and we actually talked about the bible terms that's really disturbing to me Uh, um we talk about everything else that's going on you know the latest things on T V, politics, you know, sports, um every everything else under the sun that you want to talk about. But we don't sit down and talk about the Bible, you know, even even family members that, that attend church regularly and you know it's Sunday evening and you know ask a simple question. Well what'd you guys what'd you guys talk about in church today? And you know, one or two Two or three sentences and then and then they don't want to talk about it anymore it's on to something else right and that's you know it it, it can feel it can feel a bit lonely at times um, but all I can do all all we can do is just keep persevering keep keep trying to get that word out keep trying to talk about these situations stuff comes up in the news you discuss it you you point it back to the Bible how the Lord you know hey this sounds kind of similar to what God was doing in Genesis with Joseph, you know, and I know you've you've done that quite often and, and quite effectively. So, you know, that, that's all that's all these shows are for, James, is just to get people uh, a look at what God's actually saying here, um, specifically in the that That's what we like to talk about to, the, to how this relates to the gospel, and, and and show how how it's it's telling people what is to come. And, and doing that, you can see. You know whatever's going on in the news, you can you can point people directly back to to his word.
4: Well, I, the, what you just said is is true on many levels. Uh, you know, the Bible, the whole book. Uh, the more I read it, the more I get familiar with it. The more I see prophecy in every single book, and you know I think Ecclesiastes, I think it said perfectly there. Uh, where he says all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow there. They flow again. And that is exactly what Genesis 35 is doing. It it is, uh, what you see there in Genesis 35, you see all over the Bible, uh, when you can actually see it. Um, the same story, the same message, the same pattern repeats itself. Isochronally throughout the scriptures. And, uh, that is also in in nature it's also in the news um when you when you know what to look for um you'll see him talking to you all over the place uh, and just saying the same thing over and over and over and over
3: again yeah that's uh that's kind of hard to to hide from that fact that that's what I've learned. So I, I got a sound check from Joni in the chat. She says we're we're sounding good, so that that's good. Uh, Matthew said he's going to be joining us a little bit later, so um, he'll he'll jump in and, and jump in right at the right spot here. So I guess if you want to you want to dig into this, Tim's, so we'll start reading that first yeah. stanza. There's a there's a lot there, <clears throat> and then we can we can uh, you know move on from there. Um, you wanna want to read Genesis 35 for us? Yeah, well,
4: let's just sure, let's just, let's, let's, just uh, let's be clear here what we're going to be doing today. Um, this all started with a conversation that uh, we had privately. Uh, you know, Jose and I talk—I don't know—once once every week or so. One of us reaches out to the other and just says, "Hey, how's the family? And how you doing? And what are you reading? And this is what I'm seeing." And we take a few minutes and just kind of exchange notes and just see—you know—just do a a check with each other, um, and we had a conversation and we were talking about Genesis 35 and how it compares to the Gospels, and, um, we have already, uh, discussed privately, and I think alluded to it on the air, that, uh, the whole timeline is right there in the story of Joseph and his brothers, and so when we say Genesis 35, what we really mean is, is that we are, uh, Uh, God willing, we'll get through the entire story of Joseph with his brothers, and we'll connect that to other uh, isochronal events in the Scripture so you can begin to see clearly um, what is to come uh, and how it overlaps, particularly with the New Testament. Uh, So hopefully that's uh, a decent enough introduction. And, Jose, you want me just to start reading uh, there in in 35?
3: Yeah, why don't we read the first... uh the first eight verses. Yeah, I think that's a good a good start right there. Okay. Sound good? All right. God
4: said to Jacob, "Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau." So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, "Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so I may make an altar to the God." who answers me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods they had, and all the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Lulz, which is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and all the people who were with him and there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother and Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried under the oak below Bethel so he called its name Allah Bekuf. All right, Tim, there's a
3: whole lot said there uh, first few verses. Um, from there, you can you can go back and and read in Genesis where where Jacob uh, fled from his brother. You can re- read about where uh, God appeared to Jacob the first time there. But what what I I think what I want to start with is the fact that that word Bethel uh, in Hebrew it means um, the house of God, being house and God, so even though we're told that it's place name here, you know what what I see God talking about is His house, right? That that temple that He's trying to raise up, that spiritual temple that is the body of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're told we're kind of told all this in the New Testament. That's where the Lord lays out. That's what, um, go, what what what's gone into what the Lord goes into in the later uh, books of, of the New Testament, clearly telling us that that is His body, is that house. Um, so right away, when He says to arise and go up to the house of God and dwell there, I mean that should be alarm bells off when we read that, and that's what it did for me, James. Right away, that word "dwells." Um, specifically, because we are one of the last shows we did uh, spoke about dwelling a lot, and, and though this isn't the same word, um, that, that, that's what caught my attention. So, let me read a, a couple uh, verses where where this uh, this word shows up. The, the specific word dwell, and I'm looking at the Greek word here, G3611. Okay, and this, this spelling as it shows up. It shows up in Second Samuel, chapter 15, verse 19, and I'll read uh, uh, up to verse 23 for us to give us the, the context of this word. And the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why dost thou also go with us, return and dwell with the king? For thou art a stranger, and thou, art has, thou hast come forth as a sojourner out of thy place. Whereas thou came yesterday shall I today cause thee to travel with us? And shalt thou, shall thou change thy place? Thou did come forth yesterday, and today shall I set thee in motion to go along with us. I indeed will go whithersoever I may go. Return then and cause thy brethren to return with thee. And may the Lord deal mercilessly and truly with thee. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, in the place wheresoever my Lord shall be, whether it be for death or life, there shall thy servant be. And the king said to Itai, Come and pass over with me. So Itai the Gittite and the king passed over, and all his servants and multitude with him. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed by the brook Kedron. And the king crossed brook Kedron, and all the people and the king passed on toward the way of the wilderness, <clears throat> so right here in these set of verses, Tims you see once again you see it about movement, about a people moving from one place to another. You have the king here um, you're told about the wilderness, also that word wilderness there in verse twenty three is the same uh wilderness um in Revelation 12. So a uh, a whole lot of hints here that that God's giving uh, in in this use of the word dwell in, in, in 2nd chapter 15.
4: Amen. Well that that uh that event that you're talking about of course is when um uh, I believe is when David uh fled uh from his son, is it not? Right. Right. Yeah.
3: And, and which is he's, another he's isochronal. Oh
2: offering... <laughs> <No>, go ahead.
3: <laughs> right, right, Well he's offering uh it has to return um and you know, safely with the, with his son the king. Right? And uh right. and if refuses of that he wants to go with his king.
4: Well amen. And that, that whole story uh, is is another isochronal. Um you can you can get more of an understanding of the timeline through that story. Um, and story's not the right word, but through that bit of history, you get more events. Uh, I told you earlier, but I talked with somebody a couple of weeks ago that was, uh, talking about the the rapture. And he was saying to me that, uh, you can't understand the book of revelation. It's, uh, and you know, one of his pastors at his church told him, you just can't understand that book. And, uh, he's right. You can't understand that book without the Holy Spirit. And you can't understand it if you're not reading Genesis 35 and if you're not reading Second Samuel. Um, you can't understand right. uh, the book of Revelation. It, it cannot be made clear to you.
3: Right. Yeah, I think that's be sobering to, to a lot of Christians. Um, the Lord told us that he's going to send his Holy Spirit to guide us, to counsel us, to teach us. And so if we're not receiving that, if we're not receiving that understanding, it's a real way to make a call. It's time for you to cast out those strange gods and time for you to change your garments. That's the only way you're going to be able to understand what God's talking about here. So, amen, and
4: hang on, just let me just say this. We've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably keep saying it, and people will probably keep getting annoyed at me saying it, but uh, I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, Everything that you believe are parables, they're not parables. Those things actually did happen, and they are going to happen again. And those events that are described there in the book of Proverbs when he says, wisdom stands in the streets or stands at the gate and tells the young man this or says that— Those events really did happen. And the first five books of the Bible, which is sometimes referred to as the book of Moses, understanding starts there, ladies and gentlemen. That's where your understanding begins. It begins right there in the first five books of the Bible. And without that, you don't have a clue. It all starts right there with the first five books of the Bible. Start in the beginning and go forward. Don't start at the end. Don't start at chapter 12. Start right there in the beginning with the first five books. And if you carve that onto your heart, the rest of it will be a whole lot easier to understand. But go ahead, Jose. I'm sorry for interrupting you.
3: And that's, those are good words there. The next time I, I see the will show up, uh, in Isaiah 21, verse 12, but I'm going to go ahead and read, start from verse 1 and read all the way to the verse. For us. And you really should understand where in the timeline about here when you see the, the words that he, um, as though a whirlwind should pass through the desert, coming from a desert, even such a land, a fearful and a grievous vision was declared to me. He that is treacherous deals treacherously. The transgressor transgresses. The Elamites are upon me, and the ambassador the Persians come against me. Now I will and myself. Therefore my loins filled with feebleness, and pangs have seized me, prevailing woman. I dealt wrongfully that I might not hear. I hasted that I might not see. My heart wanders, and transgression overwhelms me. My soul is occupied with fear. Prepare the table, eat, drink, arise, you princes, and prepare your shields. For thus said the Lord to me, Go and station a watchman for thyself, and declare whatever thou shalt see. And I saw two mounted horsemen, and a rider on an ass, and a rider on a camel. Hearken with great attention, and call thou Urias to the watchtower. Lord has spoken. I stood continually during the day, and I stood in the camp all night. And behold, he comes riding in a chariot and pair. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all of Jesus and her eyes crushed to the ground. Hear you that are left and you that are in pain. Hear what things I have heard of the Lord of hosts, which the God of Israel has declared to us. Call to me out of Seir, Guard you the bulwarks. I watch in the morning and the night. If thou would inquire, inquire, and dwell by me. So that, of course, is, uh, is Isaiah 21 from the Septuagint. Talks about that. I'm looking at this word in the Greek. That word, and clearly, Tim, This is you know. He's talking about the writers here. He's talking about the treacherous. The treacherous ones. Um He's talking about birth you know, he keeps pointing us back to, to to the book of Revelation, right? That book that we we're not supposed to understand. Um, and then at the end there, I mean he talks about, about Mount Seir, right? That's that's Edom. And and I know we, we've talked a little bit about Edom. Uh if you read the book of I what it tells us about Edom, about Esau. Right? Edom is Esau, is Seir. Yep. Okay. That's that's who gets kicked out of heaven. That one third of of the host, the bad brothers that kicked kicked out of heaven. Um, I mean, this is all this is all prophetic. What what, what God's talking about here in these chapters and the end of these verses. Amen. Yeah, that's it. Is
4: that nothing else. <laughs> no, I mean you 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 summed it up perfectly.
3: Yeah, and and, and that's just to clarify a little bit on on there on the last two verses, Edom. If you read the book of Obadiah, God tells us um, what He's going to do to Edom to, to to Esau, and and what what Matthew shared and and what what me and Tim's have come to find out is that that that's talking about the the one third of the host that's going to fall, at the host that will be replaced. So anytime you see that come up in the Bible. Even if you're talking about Esau, like we read in Genesis 35, that that's what God's talking about. That host of heaven that you know allows themselves to be worshipped and who ultimately want to keep their place in heaven um, has other other intentions for for their their positions in heaven. So,
4: and and by really, the way, speaking uh, about that, um, forgive me, but speaking about that uh, host of heaven. Um that causes a whole great deal of confusion for a lot of people. Um, a third of the host of heaven. We're talking about third heaven when we talk about that. Um, it's not the entire angelic host. It's a third that are in third heaven, and their number has been counted. And of course, if you've spent time in the Old Testament, particularly in Second Chronicles, Uh, Chapter 8, starting right there, you can begin to understand um, how those numbers work out. So I'll just leave that as a little crumb or clue for the listener.
3: Amen. Amen, Tim. And and that host of heaven are those strange gods that Jacob is casting out of his household. So you can see how how the Lord intertwines all these analogies and allegories, intertwines it all together. Um, it's really quite amazing but when you know what to look for. So, well, yeah. another place I mean, you'll, this know exactly,
4: up. you'll know exactly Go who ahead, those John. 24 elders are. Um, if you spend a little bit of time there in Chronicles, the second book, you won't be confused about who those elders are and what role they serve. Um, it really is all rooted in the priesthood. And when you begin to understand how the priesthood is set up and the uh, purpose that they have, uh, you can go back and read everybody's favorite book, uh, Revelation, particularly chapter 7 and chapter 14, and you can begin to understand what's going on there. But forgive me for interrupting you again.
3: No, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I got we got a little note here in the chat room from Joni uh, asking about uh, Esau and Edom. She says, "So Jacob is the sand and Esau are the stars." And yeah, they're they're the stars right now, but they're they're the stars that are going to be cast down. That's specifically what the Lord says. And, and read read the book of Obadiah. That will really, uh, if you if you read that with the understanding of who Esau and Edom is, that'll clear a lot of things up. Because remember, Esau is the one who gave up his birthright. Uh, so he gave it up, and that's essentially what the uh, what those fallen hosts of heaven are doing. Um, they're taking, uh, they're, they're, they're setting up their system in place of God, and that's going to get them to lose their birthright. So, like I said, all this stuff, all, all it all ties together. It all, it's all very clear once you understand. What God's final plan is, then you can see how that how He relates that through the telling of to Jacob, through the telling of what happens to Joseph, and so on and so forth, throughout the whole of the Bible. So let me read Romans chapter seven. This word for eleven verse reads sixteen through twenty. If I you want me to then, read it? you're kind of I cutting out. That. You want me to read okay. it because you're, you're kind of yeah.
4: Okay, you, you said cool. 16 through sixteen through 20
3: what? 20 through 20. Yeah, Romans 7, 16 20. through 20.
4: Okay. Romans uh, chapter 7, 16 through 20. Um, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me.
3: So really... I mean, we're talking about sinning again, which is kind of how we started this show, um, casting away, you know, cleansing yourself uh, of the, putting on those clean... But really, this is telling us that that we're not supposed to dwell in the flesh. And we understand that by that because physically we are in the flesh. Our... Goal should be to deal, to dwell uh, In the spirit Right, that's how I dwelt Even while he was here on the earth And God acknowledges It's difficult God acknowledges that it's it's a, a test In a way But he's still calling you to do the right thing And and Where this word shows up in Romans Chapter 7 is just a a, a setup to where we saw, See this word show up in, in, in the remaining uh, New Testament attempts
4: amen i mean there uh the fact is ladies and gentlemen that um you were an old creation before you became a new creation you had to be born again and there is a movement or a migration into the land that has to occur um adam was made out of the ground and likewise You you can understand these things similarly. You're moving into the promised land. um, And in order for you to move in, those things, those old natures, those old habits have to move out. And it isn't without um, struggle. Uh, it It is a process that occurs and there's going to be times when you have victories and there's going to be times when you have defeat. But where you know if you are where you need to be is your conscience. When you sin, when you do things that you're not supposed to do, are you uh, disturbed by it? Or do you just write it off as, oh, well, if you're disturbed by it, if you're bothered by it, then your heart is where it needs to be. If you think it's no big deal, you may just have a bigger problem than you, than you realize.
3: Absolutely. That's, that's a scary proposition there Very scary <laughs> Where uh, you, you think that your your sins Have no effect you know? That's uh, that's not the place where you want to be But the place where you do want to be Is in these remaining verses Can you read it for us uh, Romans chapter 8 9 through 11 sure. And it shows up twice in these verses here uh, Verses
4: 9 through 11 you said
3: Yes please Okay Right, that quickening there is what what's being talked about. So this is really uh, leading us, Tim, to what God was talking about in in the first verse of Genesis five, of arising and going up to Bethel, um, preparing your yourself to enter into the house of the Lord, preparing yourself for that Spirit of God to dwell in you. If the Spirit of God does not dwell in you 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 will not dwell in the house of the lord that that's that's quite clear that's quite plain if the spirit is not in you you are dead so you know we I'm just trying to to kind of tie in all of these these hints and shadows that god's given us Tim's, um to what he's really talking about here he relates all these uh, all these verses in, the, in in the bible to us and the actual physical historical events but with them he shows us shows us how we're spiritually so that's that's really what what I see in, in that set of verses there Tim
4: well uh, well amen uh, he well he he starts off there saying arise and go to Bethel and dwell there and that word arises is, is important because We've said it over and over again that you have to have your hinds feet to get up to where it is that you need to go. Um, you know, Noah had to build an ark. You could think of that ark as, you know, a new place to indwell, and that came through great personal cost because he he had to labor for that to happen. Um, I believe it says in the New Testament that you have not, uh, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood, sinning to the point of shedding blood. Um, it it is supposed to come at at some sacrifice. It's not it's not just you weighing out the cost of a dove to make an offering in the temple. That's not it. He never wanted your offering that way. He always wanted your heart. And it comes at great personal cost. So that standing up is, um, or raising up or lifting up, um, perhaps we should look at that word anastemi, I believe is the word there, the Greek word that's used if you look at it in the Septuagint. Um, There's a whole lot of good references there in um, for that word that he uh, uses there when he talks about a rise. But, if, yeah, but if you
3: don't have we, we, um, Well, we, we, if, you have, if you have some notes on that, we can cover that. But let me just, just cover the, the last verse that I have here, Tams, on dwell, and then we can get into a okay. rise. Um, Corinthians chapter 3, I'll read verses 16 and 17 for us. Know you not you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, if any man destroys the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which you are so right there uh you know all these things that we've been alluding to the Lord your God sets it sets it out right there in first Corinthians. He tells you uh where you're supposed to dwell, he tells you that the spirit is to dwell in you. And he tells you what his house is, the temple of God, Um, and we also know that that ultimately he's talking about his son, Jesus Christ, there with with those words. So, to me, Dan, that's a brilliant way for God to to cap out, you know, just following this word through the through the Greek uh, Bible here.
4: Well, I started off saying when we started this episode that to those who are waiting for that third temple, that third temple is you, and. I hope the listeners being reminded right now that the one time you saw the Lord your God get upset was when he entered the temple and saw the money changers there. And what did he do? He cleared it out himself. And that's exactly the process that he's undertaking with each and every single one of us that he calls his children. And he will do that. He will clear out your temple of all of those things which don't belong there. If you'll let Him.
3: He will absolutely do that. So, uh, if you don't do that um, soon enough, when he might be more of a violent action than than uh, you're prepared for, just the way he, he kicked out those money changers uh, with whips and and got them out of the house, uh, he'll do that. If, do that that's the matter in which he'll he'll do it. Uh, But he's given us plenty of warning beforehand to do it with our heart. You know, Uh, I'm not sure if if that's coming across the way I want it to, James. But you can either do it willingly, or the Lord's going to do it Himself, and you can still be hard-hearted if you're if by Him chasing you, if you allow that to. For him to remove that that stuff from from your body from from your from his what ultimately will be his I guess that that's just what I'm trying to say is that either do it willingly or God's gonna do it, and you might not like the manner in which he chooses to clean out his house
4: well amen I mean it is going to be a violent act one way or the other because they're not going to want to go willingly. Um, But it's a whole other thing when you're in the middle of that struggle. You can gain some peace of mind if you recognize uh, contextually what is to come. Amen?
3: Amen. Yep, yep. And Joni here in the chat. She says, "The light yoke or the hard one, the light burden or the heavy one." That's 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 perfect. That's kind of kind of what I'm trying. Easy way, you, you you choose.
4: <laughs> well, amen.
3: So do you, do you notes there on that word arise, Tim? That that you you found that um, where it pops up some interesting uh, references for it. I don't have too many in my notes, but. You've got some. I, I do have
4: some here. Um, Mark 7:24. Let me see. Uh, God went up away from there to the region of Tyre, and we entered a house. He wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape the notice.
3: Right, this is when he's casting an unclean spirit um, out of the Syro-Phoenician woman. Yes. Cast a demon out of her daughter, right. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Um, I have some other references here. Hang on a second here. Let me see if I can get these. I, I'm do I don't want to do them out of order, but Matthew nine nine. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said to him, Follow me, and he got up and followed him.
3: Mark he right, left to the Lord.
4: Let's see here. Mark 5, 42. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. I think all of Mark chapter 9, I I think uh, I had marked here. Uh, I'm... I think I just need to read the whole thing. Mark 9. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and Johns and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant, exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them, along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified." Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them except Jesus alone. And they were coming down from the mountain. He gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing it with with one another, what rising from the dead meant. They asked him, saying, why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does come first and restore all things, and yet how it is written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished, just as it is written of him. When they came back, the disciples, they saw a large group around them, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with the spirit who makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth, and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, "O oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me." They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, he immediately when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions, falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, "How long has this been happening to him?" And he said, "From childhood, it is often thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come, out by anything but prayer. From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. When he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand the statement. They were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he began to question them, "What were you discussing on the way?" And they kept silent, for on the way they had been discussing with one another which one of them was greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, "If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all the servant of all and servant of all." Taking a child, he set him before them taking him in his arms and said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able, to be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe, to stumble, it will be better for him if a heavy millstone hung around his neck and he had been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled, than having your two hands to go into hell, into unquenchable fire. When their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell. Where the worm does not die, the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out, for it is better that you enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salted is salt is good, but if the salt comes unsalty, then what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another.
3: Yeah, James that chapter kind of really really encapsulates what we're talking about. I mean, first off, in verse 3, we're told about the shining white raiment, right? Those clean garments that that Jacob was talking about putting on. And then at the end of the chapter, the Lord goes into telling us exactly how we're supposed to cast off those old garments. How he's talking about getting rid of those unwanted parts of the body that are going to cause you to stumble, and cause you to go uh, into the. F- but I think he really does here in the middle, where he tells us about uh, Elijah. If you know, if you can see him. If you can hear him, that also catches my attention, Tim. So that's talking about John the Baptist right there, right? Amen. And what was John the Baptist's role? His his role was to clear the way before the Lord. That's right. His role was to prepare the hearts for those, um, that were to hear the Lord. He was the one who came and, and began casting out those strange gods that are, that people had in their hearts to prepare them for when, uh, when the Lord w- was coming, um. That's right. I think we kind of talked talk a little bit about that in privately, but I think that's what, you're, what really caught your attention about Genesis 35, right, Tim?
4: Well, the yes, the opening is exactly that moment. That is a John the Baptist moment. When he says to his sons, put away your foreign gods, that is a John the Baptist moment. He's saying exactly what John the Baptist was saying to uh, the nation of Israel. Because right. that then, is a requirement. Is, you cannot enter. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: Well, no. I'm just going to say what, what, in effect, what is baptism but, but a cleansing? Uh, you know, you're taking the bath. So you're getting all that dirt off you. Baptism spiritually, you know, is uh, is you cleansing your spirit.
4: That's right. And then the testimonies which uh, will accompany that repentance are what facilitate that highway of holiness. You cannot enter, (laughs) the ark cannot return to Jerusalem without that highway. I mean, we've already, I think we did that a few shows back. That cannot happen. And um, by the way, the ark cannot uh, make that journey without... Well, what happened the first time uh, before the nation ever entered back into the promised land you had the uh the death of those that were two year old two years old and under that's what happened um at the beginning of the exodus and of course that's what happens at the beginning of the new testament and of course, Jesus is sent to Egypt first and then he returns with his mother and father, and then he enters into the temple um that has to happen first. You have to have those righteous acts and you do have to have uh, those innocence that has to happen and that will happen again uh, as unpleasant as that may be. That will precede uh, the events that everyone is, is waiting for.
3: Right. And that's, that's why the Lord in in Mark chapter nine. That's why he talks about the child there, taking the child into his arms right. with himself. That's and right. That's, that's right. A very beautiful picture there. a Beautiful uh, verse that's told about our. But he's also telling us about those children.
4: That's right. And of course, you you when you do the count, Peter, James, John, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, you get six. And um, well, maybe another time we can talk about that in a little detail. But uh, I see the bride, I see uh, the 144,000, and I do see the martyr, all present there, um, ascending that mount.
3: Right. All in different in different order, all in, in different time. But they they do all this
4: in
3: that mouth That's right That's right So we're we're about due for a break Is there anything you want to cover Before we jump onto a break?
4: No We'll take a break And then um, we can look for some overlap Between this and, and the Gospels
1: Amen
3: Absolutely all right. All right, let's let's find a cool sound here. I got word that that Matthew's on his way, so hopefully he should be jo- joining us sh- shortly. In the meantime, let's do a let's do about a, a nine-minute break. We'll see everyone when we get back. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Portico of Solomon during Genesis 35. Uh, me and James have been going over at a rocket pace, covering so far just one verse of Genesis 35, if you can believe that. But there's uh, plenty to be said there, and plenty of stuff to to uh, get into. Uh, real quick, I want to acknowledge who's in the chat room. We have Deborah Lazar, Joni's in there, Sue, of course. uh New guest jazz JX, um, who has a question. Is there a schedule for when these talk shows are available? Please. Yeah, we we try to do them at least uh, every couple of weeks. Lately, we've been kind of um, off schedule a bit, uh, but they are available. All of our um, episodes are available on iTunes as well under the Portico of Solomon. Um, they are available on, on the BTR archive. So. Check those places out. Um, you should be able to just find that info there. And of course, we will we will we need to start doing these more regularly. I'm sure my brothers would agree. So let me bring them on. Um, see if they're still with us, Tim. We got you.
4: Yeah, probably the the one most guilty of <laughs> why the shows are irregular. <laughs> Uh, guilty as charged. One thing I'll add to that is, is if you're new to the shows, I encourage you to go back to some of the early episodes, because frequently we reference things that we've talked about early. Uh, this whole um, show really was was started uh, to talk about John the Baptist and to talk about the bride and many of the things, uh, just like a good math book. Um, uh, you You know, you're kind of in chapter 12 right now, and the introduction really started with with john the baptist and holiness and the bride and so a year ago a year and a half ago there was some that's probably really a good place to start with those early episodes
3: amen Tim, amen and looks like we uh have another with us here on hold matthew is that you it is me
1: i am late but uh i am present
3: <laughs>
1: awesome awesome
3: glad glad you could join us um like I said here, we've been covering Genesis 35, kind of getting into it. And, I mean, Genesis 35 is just packed. Um, you have the death. It talks about bit bit here in Genesis 35. From Deborah to Rachel to Isaac, um, all in this chapter. Talks about uh, Bethlehem, uh, Ephratah. If you get the completion of, uh, of the sons of, of Israel here. And the Lord does a roll call. Uh, lots, lots of stuff here in this chapter. But what me and Tim's have, have kind of been not stuck on, but just kind of what we've been going, what we've been where um, what our attention has been drawn to is is just that first couple stanzas there, Matthew, where it talks about um, Jacob being told to arise and go to Bethel and make an altar. And what he does to prepare his household uh, for that, for that movement there—the casting out of the strange god, the cleansing of themselves, and then changing of their garments—and just hearing those words, um, it just really paints a picture for me what time and place God that's kind of what we've been in the first hour, Matthew. So. Maybe if you want to share some of your thoughts on
1: Genesis thirty-five before we jump back in. No, let's uh, let's go forward, man. Uh, All right. Let me just jump in here midstream here and just just keep going forward. Oh, okay. Well, we've uh, we've I'm... had.
4: No, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: No, I'm just saying. Jody says I'm cutting out, so um, hopefully I'll let you guys talk a little. Bit I am if I'm the one who's issue here, but go ahead, James
4: well we we're going to be uh trying to show isochronal events, and I just read from uh, mark chapter nine uh when they ascended uh the mount with with Jesus and uh the apostles and some of the prophets and well, that's an isochronal event with uh what happens um in Genesis, in the story of Joseph and his brothers, because at one point, of course, Joseph does take five of his brothers and present them to Pharaoh.
1: That's exactly correct, he does. Um, it, it's just that, uh, I don't know, I've just uh, come from a church service myself, where, uh, well, we learned all about uh, the rapture, of course. Uh, so, um in light of probably what most uh, church services are like today i would imagine that's that's the rule today um we read a <clears throat> read a whole lot from two or three different authors uh no real scripture covered no real game plan uh it was an absolute uh, scatterbrain sermon um, so this is absolutely detrimental that, that we talk about this today. What 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 is really uh down the pike here. Uh the reason why God uh does this for us, ladies and gentlemen, is so that we will know what is to come. It's it's already taken place. Uh he's already uh done this multiple times, uh, using different flavors and different fashions, but he holds to the rule because he chases after that which has been so it's it's very pertinent for us to uh, be talking about uh genesis 35 <clears throat> as the event horizon uh for such events it's uh, absolutely important uh, that we talk about this and uh, you're exactly correct uh, Thames. you you simply pointed out that uh this event does take place of course we know uh looking into the greco bible source code uh, there, he who sitteth upon the throne, ladies and gentlemen, that exact phrase in the Greco is related only uh, to Pharaoh's throne. Um, the Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, that exact phrase uh, in Greek is used there, only for Pharaoh. So the reason why God did that is so that we know at the end of days exactly what we're looking at here. Uh and this is what we should be preparing our hearts for, right here, right now, is going up that mountain. Uh, because we, we are absolutely uh, not going to change dimensions. Never says that. We are going to change elevation, as that is one of the points uh, within a three-dimensional uh, reality that you can go to. You can have north or south. East or west, that, uh, of course, co- uh, correlates directly to lines of latitude and longitude. And, of course, the third is altitude. Uh, and we're readily told uh, that in more ways than one. Of course, we're going to be given our hinds feet and walk in our high places. He's literally coming right out and in, in, in telling you the simple facts of the matter, that you're not going to change dimensions. Uh, you are going to change elevation. So we should look for that. And and we should look to the ones who uh, did, in fact, uh, do this thing with their brother, Joseph. Uh, It's very important that we be able to look at them and to know what they were all about, know where they came from, why he chose those five to do it. Um, These are the important things uh, that we need to be looking at. And and I do mean right now. Right now is in the present time. Um, As these things are... uh, well it's, it's it's very popular uh in mainstream christianity right now to be uh looking at these things and uh it, and I don't want our audience to do the same thing that my boys did today from the end of the pew. They kept leaning over and looking uh down at me cuz I was at the opposite end of the pew uh, with my wife. Uh they kept looking over to see if I would say something. Uh, they was looking over to uh you know with a grin on their face and and Levi, uh, God bless him, I'm pretty sure he was pretty close to laughing a couple of times. We cannot let that confusion uh, occur here. Uh, We've got to uh, prepare the bridal procession for the way that she will go. Uh, This is phrased uh, many different ways and encoded into the Bible many different ways. That's the whole purpose of the spirit of truth is so that that bridal procession will know which way she's going. Uh, and, and like I said, she has to go somewhere. Uh, she's not changing dimensions. Uh, she is relocating, but she is not changing dimensions. Uh, we know this uh, just from looking at uh, the text itself. Um, Noah did not escape. Lot did not escape. uh And on and on and on it goes Um, They were protected Through the event By simply relocating Uh, So I can't think of of A better way to do This To look at the stepping stones uh, Than Genesis 35 This is the perfect place to do this It is the proper order Uh, And we should all see this That Uh, The progression of Joseph is exactly how it shall be with us. It shall not be any other way. Uh, So sorry I'm getting in here late, uh, but hey, I come at full throttle. No mistakes about that. Um, So how many verses have you covered? Uh, I see uh, text here that you all have only covered a singular verse so far. Is that correct? Like I said, we're at a rocket pace, Matthew, so
3: <laughs> we're getting ready to go to the second verse, yeah, but we've looked at the word dwell and the word arise, um, and, and that's kind of what we've been covering in the first hour, but there's there's lots of cool words coming up uh, in the remaining verses
1: here. Yes,
3: there is. We
1: better get to it,
3: boys. Let's get to it. All right, so, uh, Tim, unless you have something else to cover... Um, the next word I want to jump into is that word. So, anything else, James? Before I jump in here,
4: um, which word are you going to?
3: Garments in verse two. Okay, yeah,
4: go go right
3: ahead. Okay. And that shows up in, in a whole bunch of places, and I'm only going to read a few of them here, but just to cover some of the instances in which it's used, it is used in Genesis 45 speaking about Joseph and his brothers, about those garments that Joseph gives to his brothers. Um, it comes up in Exodus and Leviticus in the garments of the sanctuary that belong to Aaron and to his sons for the priesthood. Up in Judges 14, discussing Samson's riddle. 2 Kings chapter 5, discussing the garments of Naaman the Syrian. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, discussing the garments of the sons of Asaph and Second Chronicles chapter 8, discussing the robes of the kings of Israel and Judah. So I encourage folks to please read those, and I'm sure Tim has some comments there on, on the garments that Joseph gave to his brothers. But I'm going to cover a few other uh, instances of this word that, to me, really really explain what God's talking about here. Now, let me reread verse 2 for us. It says, And Jacob said to his house and to all that were with him, Remove the strange gods that are with you from the midst of you And purify yourselves and change your garments So right there at the end of that verse, guys Is a word that I've seen come up a lot, a lot of times in the Greek there That word calculates to 1290 And I know we haven't, um, it's been a while since we've gotten into Calculating the the words and the numbering, um in the Bible. But the fact that, that word that word there in the Greek is put there, twelve ninety, at the end of this verse, to me, Matthew, tells me that God's saying that twelve ninety is your last chance to do those instructions that he put put forth there in verse two. Your last chance to remove the strange gods and the last chance to purify yourselves. Um and, and that's actually going to be the more difficult time because you understand what what pressure all of them are going to be under during those one thousand two hundred ninety days. So it really will be a test of your faith, um, a test of the testimony that you hold right there during the, the one thousand ninety days. So maybe you should want to comment a little bit on that, Matthew. The fact that that twelve ninety shows you know this verse. Before I I jump into the other instances of this word. You got you you muted
1: on us. Uh yes, Jose, that's uh that's exactly the case. Um and, and everybody needs to, to realize uh this. Uh God put that right there so you'd be able to see it in, in, in plain view. And if you had have been able to see this uh from the beginning uh of your instruction, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the fiasco that I just went through in in a uh, church service, could never have happened. You would have seen it and put it in your back pocket uh, and known to look uh, for that in the progression of the scriptures, uh, which it loudly declares, loudly it it declares this thing. And it just reminds me of uh, uh, Jose and I uh, just done a Bible source code that I haven't uh, posted yet, Uh, but it's pretty important. Uh, that you know there at the end of that 1,290 days, there there is going to be a great separation. And it's during this 1,290 days that you have the choice to wear whatever you want to wear. There's no doubt about that, ladies and gentlemen. You have full right of uh, being the sons of God uh, to uh, wear whatever you want. That is completely and utterly up to you. Uh, that. There's no question about that, but today we're going to uh, put it to you, so so that you know this full well. It's it's up to you where you go. Um. So Jose, let's uh, let's cover where this is at in the scripture because it takes you I- I- exactly where you're supposed to go. He, these are stones. He just put this stone in front of you. And he named that stone 1,290, and he did that for a reason. He doesn't waste his breath, ladies and gentlemen, every single word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's more important than you realize. Jose, go ahead and get to it.
3: All right. Yeah, that that word that's twelve ninety there is the word your in that verse your garment, It's your garment that you're supposed to wear, 1,290 days. So right away in Exodus twenty nine verse twenty one, this word shows up, and thou shalt take of the altar and of the anointing oil and thou shalt take upon Aaron and on his garments and on his and on his son's garments with him, and he shall be sanctified and his apparel, and his sons, and his sons' apparel with him. But the blood of the ram thou shalt pour round about upon the altar. So, that this is used to describe the garments that Aaron and his sons wear, that they are to be purified, they are to be sanctified, before they are to do, uh, to enter, Temple of the Lord before they are to enter the inner sanctuary. I mean, it's just the perfect setup here, Tim. What God's talking about? What exactly those clean garments are? Um, did your
1: thoughts on this verse? Ma- uh, are you Tim? She want- I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if he said your name or my name. I think he said your name. Go, go ahead, take first shot.
4: Well, again. Um, we're supposed to be sheep, right? And sheep do what? They they grow out a uh they grow out their coat, right? And that coat uh not only provides them with warmth, but it also is used to provide warmth for others, uh which is exactly what you hear about uh Dorcas in the New Testament, is it not?
1: That that is exactly correct, yes.
4: I mean, um, and we're told in everybody's favorite book that those robes are made out of the righteous acts that they committed. And we've said that over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm just going to repeat myself. uh, The temple that everybody is waiting for, that third temple, is you and it is me. And that temple is going to be cleared out of all those things which don't belong there. And it is going to be manufactured out of said materials, the same ones that are used to make that coat. So all these events, again, that everyone is waiting to kick off, it all starts with what he said there in Genesis 35. When he tells his family to put away their foreign guard, the foreign gods, and to purify yourselves and change your garments, it's calling for you to move into motion. You have to do something.
1: Amen. Well, you know, let's uh, let's get let's get down to the meat and potatoes, boys and girls. Uh, wool is complete is completely worthless without the lanolin it contains. I mean, everybody Amen. does know everybody does know that lanolin comes from wool.
2: Uh,
1: uh, <laughs> lanolin uh it, well that word means oil ladies and gentlemen it, it's it's called uh, uh, wool grease is what it is and it <clears throat> uh, look one of the most prized things throughout history is wool oil the lanolin uh there is nothing better for waterproofing uh there is nothing uh a a a better uh, for further protection, the treatment, and the beautification of the human skin than lanolin. That's a fact. Look it up. I, I'm I'm not I, I'm not stretching the issue here. Uh, please look up lanolin and and marvel after it. It literally is a marvel. And like I said, in the original language, that that's oil. It's it's wool oil. It's just in our tongue they call it lanolin. Okay? And uh, but now, I hope you understood what I said because I didn't say sheepskin. Here, here. <laughs> Let me re- repeat that again. Okay, there is nothing better, okay? Nothing better for the protection, the treatment, and the beautification of the human skin. That's common knowledge. of the human skin. Everybody knows this. This has been known since the farthest ancient times. So, uh, literally what the Lord our God is telling us here is that the only way, uh, of course, that uh, you can have the proper garments is to make sure uh, that you are in fact a sheep. Amen. Let me make that, well, let me make that clear. A sheep Not a goat. Not a goat. No, not a goat. (laughs) So uh, I think that's incredibly important whenever you know the role in the context that Jose just read. You must have oil. Of course, we don't have wool, so we put it in our lamps, don't we?
4: If we know the importance of the time we do,
1: that's right and and remember this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know historically uh, the reason why land alone is so perfect is because it is the perfect protectant against the ravages of the climate. Massive climate change. There's there's nothing better designed by God than lanolin to protect the human skin from an altercation in your climate. Of course, we all know the greatest change you can experience in your climate and everybody knows it from all the people that's died on Mount Everest is to change your elevation I'm not telling you something special or secret these things are common knowledge it's just they haven't been brought to your attention and God just literally screamed it in your ear using this one singular Epitaph of one thousand two hundred ninety. Jose. Yeah, that's uh,
3: that's very critical what you guys are talking about there. I'm um, online. I, I, let me let me bring them in. Uh, hey, John, is this you? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. I How are you doing? You got John Gomez with us, guys uh volunteered to do some reading for us
0: how you guys doing
4: hey, how's it going man excellent,
1: good. A- excellent. it's going excellent man
3: yeah uh, awesome All of right. you to join us john thank you for uh, for volunteering to read um I'll say about what so far i give you some verses to read
0: uh, okay, sure.
3: Yeah, but I mean, do you got anything to comment about about what we've been talking about?
0: Oh, uh, let me see. Not too much. You guys pretty much have been covering every little bit
3: that I can see. Um, I'll just wait till you guys, you know, come up. Maybe I'll come up with some ideas. Okay, cool. Um, can you read for us uh, the next instance of this word uh, a wardrobe or garment cover? Um, if you can read for us second chronicles chapter 34? Okay, let and me it, get there real quick. Versus, okay, verses twenty-two to thirty-three, and this is really okay. going to tie in well to what Tim's was saying about the cleansing, about uh, of all those things that are in you from entering into the house of the Lord. Um, it's it's goes right back to what we read in Genesis thirty-five, right back to what Tim's read in Mark chapter nine. It's just uh, all right. So I, I keep repeating himself. So Second
0: Chronicles 34, verses what?
3: 22 through 33,
0: please. All right. Okay, I'm ready. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had told went to Huldah, and the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokhas, the son of Hazra, the keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her regarding this. She said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the curses written in the book, which they have read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you will say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes, and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. So your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, and all the people from the greatest to the least. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, and to keep his commandments, and his testimonies, and his statutes, with all his heart, and with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant written in this book. Moreover, he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand with him, so the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed all the abominations from all the lands belonging to the sons of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. Throughout his lifetime, they did not turn from, their, from following the Lord God of their fathers.
3: Right, so right there in verse 22 is the, the word wardrobe, is this word that we see in Genesis chapter 35. And here you have a keeper of the wardrobe to whom the the king goes to seek counsel. Um, we should expect this to take place right guys? What God's talking about here—the king going to his place and uh, proclaiming the covenant, proclaiming the commandments of the Lord, proclaiming the testimonies and his ordinances—that's um, what we should. That's what we should be looking for, right, Tim's? Amen. Amen. And
1: Tim sh- and and Tim's, you and I just just talked about this privately, didn't we? Yes, we did. Um, we should expect a hollow in time. Um, that an event exactly like this takes place in order to uh, propel us uh, to put on the wool and the lanolin, so to speak. Um And we should expect to have a given duration of time to do that. Of course, when you uh, look into the time itself, uh, you repeatedly have uh, with this integer, you know, what is 1,290 days? More importantly, why? why is it that length of time? But you should expect to see therein your chance. And Tams was just asking me the other day in private, are we going to see this event, this exact event that John just read about? I think we should expect it. I think it's going to uh, incur a duration of time. Amen. And you know, this much is a fact. The riders are sent on patrol first. They do not become the craftsmen until after the patrol and the report is given. No matter what you think, this will take a duration of time. Because God and God alone is separated from us by time. Michael endures time. Gabriel incurs time. The Seraphim endure time. So do the mighty cherubim. The one thing that separates us from our Creator is, of course, time. So it is going to take a little bit of it. But if you look hard enough, I'm sure you'll see that duration of time.
4: Amen. Well, we spoke privately about that a little bit, and I gave you my thoughts on how much time that might be, and You alluded to another aspect of that, and I don't know if we want to talk about that here, but um, maybe it's enough to simply say that Luke, the first chapter, uh, gives you a whole lot more about that than people might be thinking.
2: Well,
1: that goes without saying, because most people probably didn't get what, what exactly was happening when... Josiah realized there was a book of the law. Oh, I'm absolutely for certain uh, that if people would consider Luke chapter 2, this event, you know, what if in today's translation what Josiah found was Luke chapter 2? Would you look at it then, ladies and gentlemen? Would you study it then? If Josiah was surprised, I guarantee you will be. The only question to that equation is whether it will propel you to accomplish what he's written there in verse 22. That's the only real question, Tams. Amen. Amen. Okay.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, here of the prophetess Holy Spirit, uh, the keeper of that wardrobe. And without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get that wardrobe. You're not going to get that garment. Uh, The Lord's not going to turn your heart from worshiping the strange gods. The Lord's not going to turn your heart from those abominations if that Holy Spirit does does not dwell within you. And James, well, exactly. has been repeating it over and over and over. It's those righteous acts that you do that allows that Holy Spirit to go within you. That's well, I mean, that's that's what I see in this in this, these verses, Matthew.
1: Well, and this exactly pertains to the role of Hannah, correct? Amen. Oh, we're given, I mean, we're going through so much information about it, but here it's it's pretty clear concerning the. The the prophetess To the point Ladies and gentlemen When they presented the Lord Jesus Christ At the temple You can bet your bottom dollar They were wearing the right attire Or they never would have crossed The threshold Not ever And if they hadn't have crossed that threshold They never would have ran into The prophetess Amen
4: Well, amen, and they never could have entered into that threshold if things had not been what they were. And I'm referring, of course, to the slaughter of the innocent. The first time that the nation moved back into the land, you had that in the Exodus. And, of course, you had that. um, What happened? Jesus was born. He was hidden in Egypt. And then, of course, he returned and was presented in the temple. Right? Right. But in there, you have the slaughter of the innocent. Because that highway has to be constructed. As unpleasant as that may be, it has to be constructed.
3: And we're told, we're told Tim, that we're right, currently we reside in Egypt. That's what the Lord, and in order to receive. We better see that event take place. charmer, right,
1: Matthew? Hey Amen. That's that's correct. He he lets you know right in the right in the book of uh, Revelation to make sure you remember what he's talking about. This entire sphere of influence that the pyramid scheme has, there is no escape from it. Every inch. You know what? Here, l- let me. See speak of it a different way let me speak of it concerning time as well as distance every single arc minute that you incur that's a distance that's exactly related to the nautical mile of course that's where the nautical mile comes from but every single arc minute is within the borders of egypt This entire sphere of influence that the pyramid scheme has is right dead center in the middle of Egypt. That's the way God sees it. He really don't care how you see it. That's irrelevant. You can only perceive what's in your line of sight anyway. But the Lord your God, he calls this planet Egypt. And he said it correctly because... You realize that Egypt is not a place name. The word Egypt is dire straits. That's what the word is in Hebrew. It's dire straits. Now, does everybody know what dire straits is? You know, when you uh, approach the beach or the coastline... And there is a bunch of straits that's readily close together. This is what happens at the headwaters of the Nile. The mighty Nile never reaches the Mediterranean Ocean, it breaks apart into multiple, multiple channels. It creates a dire strait. Of course, this is a why as a one who has such garments the only one in history who ever prophesied by order of the king his garments being as they were the very first chapter in his book describes to you completely the dire straits you're going to be in when these 100 uh when these 1290 days begin to sound off Just so we all know why God wrote what He wrote the way that He wrote it. He was expecting you to take that stone and see it over and over and over and over and over in His Word. You'd run across it and remember. You'd run across it and remember. You'd run across it and remember and know where it was that you were going Now, Christ himself is going somewhere, okay? He's going from the throne room to his seat of power in Jerusalem. That's where he's going. You, in turn, need to know where you're going because you have to meet up with him at that particular Event Horizon. Jose, back to you. Amen, Matthew. Amen. real
3: quick, we got about left in the live program. We will be going into the. Just not sure how long, but we will be be jumping in there. Uh, three, four, seven, five, six, seven, nine, one. If you want to join us in the archives, and I think John is ready for with our next set of here in Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 15 through 23. You'll see this word show up in the Greek. So, John, uh, can you read those verses for us, please?
0: All right, I'm reading out of the NASB. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They they shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep my charge. It shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court, they shall not be clothed with linen garments and wool shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. Linen turbans shall be on their heads and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat when they go out into the outer court, into the outer court to the people, they shall put off their garments in which they have been ministering and lay them in the holy chambers. Then they shall put on other garments so that they will not transmit holiness to the people with their garments. Also, they shall not shave their heads, yet they shall not let their locks grow long. They shall only trim the hair of their heads, nor shall any of the priests drink wine when they enter the inner court. And they shall not marry a widow. Or a divorced woman, but shall take virgins from the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who is the widow of a priest, moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean.
3: All right hear about that third temple you keep talking about, right that one that uh there He's fighting right now on the temple Mount to build, okay, but we're talking about the one that our Lord actually talks about here the temple that is his that is his body, and verse seven says, it shall come to pass when they enter the gates of the inner court that they shall put on linen robes or linen garments, and they shall not put on woollen garments when they minister at the gate." So, Tam's your thought on that set of verses, since it kind of ties into what we've been talking about time? Well, you know, I, I mentioned
4: earlier, uh, Second Chronicles, You, I mean, to really understand the priesthood, you need to go back and, and, and read how the priesthood was organized. You can't understand who the sons of Zadok are, uh, Kohath, uh, uh, the sons of Aaron. You can't understand what roles they play if you don't understand this and you know he he says quite clearly there that in the outer area where the people were everybody thinks that they're going to die and go to heaven but that's not quite correct is it? Um, that's not quite exactly where your place is and the more you read and the more you actually take what the Bible says rather than what people say um, all of these confusions uh, between what you read and what's actually uh, said by people, you can clean a lot of that up if you'll just go back and read uh, read his word. Um, because the 24 elders are real, and they serve a very important purpose. Uh, but you can't understand who they are and who Zadok is if you don't read Chronicles.
3: Right, and another verse that really catches catches my attention is verse 19, that when they go into the outer court, the outer court of the people, they shall put off their garments which they have been ministering, and lay them in the holy chambers. Then they shall put on other garments that they may not commit holiness to people with their garments. Um, once again, back to Second Chronicles. The keeper of those wardrobes The keeper of those garments uh, Matthew um, Really Really prophetic stuff That God's talking about here in Ezekiel chapter 44 um, Telling us About the way his Is going to be run um, When he sets up uh,
1: When he's, uh, Yes um, In a very Well in a very sad way um he he makes it perfectly clear here, um by every word that he says that there's gonna be a <clears throat> great separation between the bride and those who have to rule and run the kingdom. Um and that's well that's that's too bad. Um it, it is It is hard for me emotionally to address this issue because um, it was always in their choice to be his bride. There was no point in time where that was ever forced upon them. And you have to understand what what the thought process, you know, how are they going to feel when they are forced to walk out there and take off their headgear and, of course, they have to take off their loincloth, stand there naked before everybody. I hope you realize what the Lord your God is trying to say. Because great tribulation is not assigned to us. It's not meant for us. We're not supposed to know anything about it. We shouldn't know those wet drops of blood no I think I
3: I think uh I think what Matthew's trying to- convey folks is just um a really sadness of those people who don't understand what God's asking us to do. It really is quite simple: follow his commandments and follow his beatitudes. We have that choice we have that those that choice to commit righteous acts. In his name Righteous acts To everyone around us By committing those Righteous acts The Lord your God Will reward you with his Holy Spirit Will reward you with his Son And Too many people have been shown this Too many people know this But they choose to go the other way And that's the real sad fact of the matter. Too many people that we love who we consider good people, but you know they keep turning from the Lord. And the more you can turn from the Lord, the more He hides His face from you. And there's going to come a time where you're going to have to Show your faith in the Lord Show That you know him And he knows you And if you haven't been doing Everything that God lays out In his word That's going to be a very Difficult proposition And I think that's That's what I'm trying to convey In these studies That hopefully you can go forth With ones see those
4: that are lost, and try to help them. Well, amen, and let me just add this. Uh, We've covered extensively that Samuel is a picture of the 144,000, and Samuel was, of course, clothed in a garment that his mother made for him. His mother, of course, is a picture of the church. those righteous acts serve a whole lot more purpose than people realize. And it is appropriate that Genesis 35 starts with a discussion of that process, that purification, because it's necessary. With it, this, you know, for those of you who who thought that something was going to happen, um, last week or maybe six months ago or in 2012, that's for the father to say. You know, you can be pregnant with the child and there can be a miscarriage. If the child is not getting what it needs to be carried to birth, there will be a miscarriage. And if the church is not Providing all that is necessary for that child to be brought forth, it's not its not going to happen. And, you know, I, I know, Jose, you've experienced that. Matthew, I know you've experienced that. I, I still am overcome with the emotion when I think of when that's happened to me and my wife. Um, but that may be exactly what has been happening here in recent
3: years. Yeah, I I would agree, James. I'd agree. Matthew, anything to say before we jump up oh. a set of verses?
1: No, I'm speechless.
4: John, do you have anything to add?
0: Um, the only thing that I have to add is uh I don't know if the listeners know that the the word Zadok, it means righteousness. So uh, you know, sons of righteousness. So you know that even paints another picture on in itself too.
3: Amen, uh, amen. Absolutely. Yeah, I know
4: Would Matthew you want to reach has the... something he has to say, but Matthew, you, I know you've got something to say there.
1: Why do you push me? I mean I would I think what has been said has been said enough because I don't if I say any more I'm going to go past what he himself has said and no matter How many tears I cry. No matter how many drops of sweat comes out of my pores, they don't contain His blood. And if they won't listen to Him, they certainly won't listen to me.
3: Well said, Matthew. Let's go ahead then and jump into Revelation chapter 7. John, if you can read that that for us, please.
0: All right. After these, these things I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, and all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with long white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation cometh of our God, that sitteth upon the throne, and of the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise, and glory, and wisdom, and thanks, and honor, and power, and might, be unto our God forevermore. Amen. And one of the elders spake, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in long white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Lord, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their long robes, and have made their long robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they in the presence of the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne will dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, neither any heat, for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall govern them and shall lead them unto the lively fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes.
3: Thank you, John. Did you Kim, catch that? This is... Go ahead, Matthew. <laughs>
1: Did you catch that? They don't have to worry about sweating?
0: That even reminds me of what was just said uh, in the last verse in uh, Ezekiel where it was talking about they were wearing garments without sweating.
1: That stuck out to me, too. Bam, right in your face. John... How could you have written that any more perfect? I know I couldn't have. It was literally staring you right in your face. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever asked yourselves why God said that? Why why did God literally come out and word it that way? I mean, didn't anybody else find that strange but me? John, why don't you read that one more time about the talking about you know whether they're gonna be affected by heat or temperature or sunlight or any of that stuff. Read that one more time for me, please. Verse sixteen,
0: right?
1: Exact mundo.
0: Alright. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, neither any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall govern them and shall lead them unto the lively fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes.
1: And there is a mechanism by which he will govern them. I mean I could not have he said exactly what I needed to see. I mean he said it so perfectly there is no doubt in my mind what he's talking about and it's absolutely beautiful to me
3: Amen Amen Amen, Amen. and and it takes us Amen. right back to to the robes of Aaron and his sons were taught that their robes have been washed white in the blood of the lamb, which is exactly the process that God showed us when talking about those garments that Aaron and his sons wore. They were made, they were made clean in the blood.
1: Good stuff, boys, for just two verses. <laughs> James, you got
3: you got anything you want to add on these on these sets of verses here?
4: You're talking about uh, Genesis thirty five, one and two?
3: Yeah, or, or even, you know, elaborate on, on Revelation chapter seven, what we read there.
4: Well, I mean Revelation chapter seven is is one of the two places where people think that they get all they can get on the hundred and forty four thousand. Uh um that goes without saying i guess i th- i guess we're good how add to it
3: right right well right there in verse 14 that word tribulation is the exact same word we see in verse 3, 35 so once another time i'll read i read verse 3 of Genesis 35 for us then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the, my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So several words are used there uh, for that word distress in the Bible. Some translations, tribulation, some say calamity, but pretty much it's the same thing that shows up in verse 14 of Revelation chapter, chapter 7. Once again, God's leaving us as a placeholder for what time he's talking about when when we read the story, when we read uh, Genesis chapter 35. Well, I'm reminded of the fact that,
4: uh, you know, when when these events were going on, Jesus was upset that the Pharisees were aware. And I keep going back to how we opened up the show when when I said to you that, you know, for all of the date calculating that goes on, talk about blood moon, tetrads, and all these other things, um, calculations are important. But again, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what they were doing before they entered the temple. And they knew exactly what they had to offer to cover up their sins. And God wasn't exactly happy about that. Because instead of their heart being on the condition they were in, they were off on some tangent. He cares about your heart. And He's the one who ultimately measures out those scales. And you can put as much or as little as you want on that scale, if it's what he was looking for, it wasn't what he was looking for, it'll never, never add up to what it was that he was looking for. So as we go through this exercise of looking at the timeline, I just encourage everybody to think big picture and remember that this is all going to start off with holiness. Which is another way of saying that getting right with the Lord your God, dealing with your heart, that's really what counts.
2: Amen
1: Nobody else has got the guts to say it By God I do Amen May it be as you have said Well the
3: I've got a few verses here Where the word tribulation comes up But I think I think everyone pretty much the idea what time frame the Lord is talking about. I mean, to get specific, you know, please look up that word uh, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, I'll read a few of them here for us just to get it up. But it shows up in a lot of places, very prophetic, in a lot of the prophetic books uh, in the Old Testament. Pretty much it's just God reiterating himself And making sure that we understand What time he's talking about And it's your choice whether you To change those garments Before the time of tribulation During the time of tribulation That's your choice And The fact of the matter Those that wait too late Are ultimately going to have to give their heads In order to Be a part of the kingdom of the Lord You have the chance right now To give your heart And if you wait too long You're going to have to give your head See what Revelation chapter 13 tells us So that's what the great tribulation there That's being discussed in Revelation chapter 7 and And as you trace Chase that word keep the same same place and time. And you're being given that choice. I mean God God tells you what you need to do. It's up to you to listen to it.
4: Well, and he clearly tells you why that's going to happen. Uh I've been reading a lot of Zephaniah uh this past week. And maybe maybe I should just read it. Uh, what do you guys
1: think? Oh yeah, that's what I think. I clearly think exactly what Zephaniah and I said. Yeah. Hey. yeah.
4: All right. I'll just uh, I'll just read it. Or John, do you want to read it the first? Uh, sure. The first
0: chapter. Which one? All right. You
4: want uh, chapter one?
0: And All right. It's, let me get over there real quick. All right, I love
5: reading the word. All right. Let me find
2: it
4: real quick. One thing's for sure, you're not going to be able to leap over that doorpost on that day. The last time he had to destroy a temple to keep you from doing that, and, well... He'll do it again. All right.
0: So the entire first chapter?
4: Yeah. And if you and if you get tired, I can finish it up for you.
0: All right. Here we go. Zephaniah chapter 1. The word of the Lord, which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will surely destroy all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will destroy man and beast. I will destroy the fowls of heaven and the fishes of the sea, and ruins shall be to the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Tamarims with the priests. And them that worship the host of heaven unto the upon the housetops, and them that worship the and swear by the name by the Lord, and swear by Milcom, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him, be still at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice and hath sanctified his guests, and it shall be. In the day of the Lord's sacrifice, that I will visit the princes and the king's children, and all such are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day, also I will visit all those that dance upon the threshold so proudly, which fill their masters' houses by cruelty and deceit. And in that day, saith the Lord, there shall be a noise and cry from the fish gate, and an howling from the second gate, and a great destruction from the hills. Howl ye, inhabitants! Of the low place, for the company of merchants is destroyed, all they that bear silver are cut off. And at that time will I search Jerusalem with lights, and visit the men that are frozen in their dregs, and say in their hearts, The Lord will neither do good nor evil. Therefore, their goods shall be spoiled, and their houses waste. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the strong man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and heaviness, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of obscurity and darkness, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the strong cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men, Because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land.
1: Boy, that sounds like a great impact to me. <laughs> uh, Amen, to say the least. Jose,
3: well, Matthew, we—I um, mean, this this verse, this chapter really covers everything you need to know about that great day. Um, that tribulation that's coming, that's talked about right there in the verse. And then, I mean, we did that study, Matthew, um, about verse 13. People that want to know about it, read that verse 13. That word harpage is right there. The confusion that's surrounding that that word right now. In the church today, that confusion that you heard uh, In the church service you attended, Matthew I mean, God tells you right there all
1: about it In verse 13 Yes, he does It's right there in Plain sight It's right there in plain sight And it just amazes me That they hit it in the most perfect way um, Wow You know We have been given quite a lot of good tools, Jose. And I've said this till I'm blue in the face. The strong numbering system is not meek. You've been lied to. That's the milk. You're supposed to start right there. That's where you're supposed to start. And if you've had the wool pulled over your eyes, well, ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that means you're something else? Who do you think came up with that term to pull the wool over the eyes? Who do you think thought that up? It should be common knowledge that that could only be possible if you were something else. Because a goat does not wear wool. So it's right there staring you right in the face. And it doesn't say anything that they tell you that it says. They could only tell you that if you weren't looking at his word. That's the only way they could convince you of that, is if you didn't know what the word looked like. Look, I'm not saying that you have to know Greek. I'm not saying that you have to know Hebrew. But you are required to know what they at least look like. So when someone comes around and tells you, hey, this is a pie, you're supposed to be able to look at it and say, Well, no, that's not. That's a gamma. You're not required to know it. (laughs) And certainly not as a second language.
4: Well, you get to check on your spirit when someone's saying something. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, you know his voice. And you've been told over and over again that he hates false weights and measures. And that's exactly what he's talking about here in verse 9 when he says, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and who fills their master house with violence and fraud. Where do you think the money came from to buy those doves that they were entering the temple in? Why was Jesus so upset? Why did he clear it out himself?
1: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, gentlemen, I hate to exit uh, stage left, but I must. I have things I got to attend to. All right, Matthew, thank you. Thank you for joining us. You're most welcome.
0: Love you, brother. Have a blessed one, Matthew.
3: Well, guys, the, the verses hit me here are verses in that chapter that John read. I will bring distress upon men that they, sh- like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the name of the Lord. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his, for he shall make even a speedy, speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. And James, that, that harkens right back to what we started off the show with, Genesis chapter 35. That casting out of everything that is unclean um, from the house. That changing of the garments in order to arise unto Bethel. So this chapter that you picked out for, for us to look over, um, it really does, it really encompasses everything that we've been talking about.
4: Yeah, it's 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 all right there, and, and I hope the listener goes on and continues to just finish out the whole book. It's only uh, three chapters. Um, but he does tell you what is going to happen to those. Uh, he is going to hide them, Um, just because we're being hard on the rapture doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan for his children. Um, But keeping his commandments is a prerequisite, and there is a place for you to go. But, yeah, it's all right there. Amen.
3: John, do you want to share any thoughts uh, on this chapter that you read?
2: Just
0: that... I truly don't understand how people skip over these. You know, they call them the minor prophets. They they just skip over and completely miss this. So I don't know how people don't see that this is all what's going to happen. They, it's um it's really shocking to me that um they're like everybody's always saying we won't go through anything. We're just going to be taken straight to heaven. And uh, that's the only thing I think Tim's is, Tim's is saying is uh you know um about the rapture. That's the only thing I have against the rapture. We're not going to be we're not going to not experience anything. We have to. We have to be refined. We have to be uh, purified. Uh, even, I believe it's in Matthew where um, the, and I'm not sure if it's a parable where it says the Lord will gather, you know, good and evil into his, um, for his banquet. And some, that one that's caught without wearing the garments gets tossed out. So that's what brings it my to my mind. But uh, yeah, we have to be tested, tried and true. We we can't just expect that all the people who just claim Jesus' name are good, and you know, they have their faith has to prove it. So that's that's what I see.
3: Yep, Amen. I I would agree with you, John. Anything else you want to? cover i mean i think um we've kind of come to the end of what i had i um, mean obviously there's, there's always more verses to cover but but i think we've been we've been kind of saying the same things over and over um what we're trying to share here today try to try to get the words that, that our lord is actually speaking get them to take root um so that they won't be you know, sown on rocky places. You know, and they won't only be temporary, but that they'll actually take root and grow up. Um, you know, is there anything else you want you wanted to cover?
4: No, I mean it's going to take us some time to get through Genesis 35, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to show that uh, that ascension um, with Jesus and James and John. Uh, up the mount that is that exact moment there in Genesis when uh, Joseph does present five of his brothers to Pharaoh and perhaps we'll talk next time about the fear that came over all of them and how that is also there in the New Testament and we'll continue to show the isochronal uh, nature of Genesis with the New Testament
3: Yeah, absolutely. But that, that sounds like a plan. Sounds like a way in which we should move. Um, John, anything, anything you want to talk about before? Uh, I think we're going to kind of bring this show to a close. Anything you want to, you want to add? Um,
0: the only thing I want to uh, make clear is that um, we need to learn how to fear the Lord because if we don't, we won't. could you say we won't be afraid of making mistakes we'll just take everything that he's done for us for granted and we'll just keep on sinning like it's no tomorrow and uh we won't have knowledge it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom if you want to understand what's going on you know with end times events and uh with uh what's to come you have to fear the lord you have to be as blameless as possible in, in the sight of men and the sight of God. You can't just go on sinning and expect to know what's happening by listening to commentaries and listening to what people said. You have to read the word yourself and you have to fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom and that's the way to understanding. You won't understand if you don't fear him. Simple as that. Amen.
4: Well you just Amen, read no, Zephaniah no. and what did he what did he say? He exactly. said, at that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And that's and exactly what because, you're
0: talking about. And you, you just said he's going to search with lamps. Uh, who has the oil? Who's supposed to have the oil? So, we're supposed to fill our lamps with oil. So, you know, he's just supposed to maybe pass on that light to us. And if we don't have any oil in our lamps, it's not going to light.
3: Amen. Kind of funny how it all ties in, right, guys? <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> it actually yeah, does it makes make perfect sense. sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, but if you're listening to the standard teachings, you know, where they just get them from their, you know, theological, you know, studies and, you know, institutions, You're not going to get it because they already have their ways set. Everything is set for them, and it's not going to match up with what Scripture says. Well,
4: people need to be doing their own studies. Um, Amen.
2: You know, anything
4: else is like, you know, a steady diet of processed foods versus (laughs) homemade food. I mean, there's just not nearly as much life in it. Uh, Yeah. You even there in, in in Zephaniah he he tells you quite plainly that um we're supposed to be seeking after him uh and you're only going to be seeking after him if you're if it's in your heart
0: mhm amen
3: amen well um i've got one more verses to read for us that i think really cap off this um, we started off talking about the 1,290 days chapter Directly references, references that number Daniel 12 And I'll just simply read the first three verses for us And at that time Michael the great prince Shall stand up That stands over the children of thy people And this is the time of tribulation such as tribulation as has not been from the time of the nation on the earth until at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that is written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to re- an everlasting shame, and the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and some of the many as the stars forever and ever. So if you can hear what's being said there, you'll see how that directly ties back to Genesis and directly ties to what Thames has said, to what John has said, and to what Matthew has said. Do what is right, and all will be well. Write his word in your heart. So many ways that we can we can Express what God wants us to do But you know it You know it You've read the Bible You've read his word You've read the first five books of the Bible You've read the Gospels And you know what the Lord wants you to do So I urge everyone to please Follow the Lord Follow his commandments His ordinances And there'll be attitudes that his Son shared with us On the Mount So guys you want to say uh, Say your goodbyes and we'll go ahead and wrap the show up John
0: um, I hope you all have a blessed day And continue to study the word And even if you're just listening to it throughout the day just um, It blesses you That's simply what it does It blesses you and it guides your feet Unto righteousness And that's how we should be living every single day But uh, I hope you all have a blessed day
3: Amen. Thank you, John, for coming on and reading for us. Kims, anytime.
4: Yeah, John, thanks uh, for joining us. You're all, always welcome. Um, and I'm not in the chat room, but those that are in the chat room, uh, anybody, uh, you're welcome to join in, whether it be with questions or to help with the show. Uh, please keep all of us in your prayers. Well, I know I keep uh, uh, you all in my prayers. And, uh, you know, if you're struggling... Um, if you're struggling with your conscience cry out cry out to him while there's still time let him know that you're struggling with uh false weights and measures and you don't know what to do about it because he's faithful he's faithful even when we're not do what you do what you what you can do don't focus on what you can't but do what you can and when you're moved in that moment, that's for a reason. It's not just to fill you with guilt. That's your conscience trying to help you. Um, and if you call out to the Lord, he's faithful. Uh, he will help you. Uh, God bless everybody. Until next time.
3: Uh, and, uh, thank you to Matthew uh, for jumping on. And he's got great things to share. I hope everyone can hear uh, where he is. He he doesn't share this stuff simply that we can all marvel at his knowledge. He, he shares so that people hear and will turn to the Lord. That's his whole purpose, and that's the whole purpose of this show of the Portico of Solomon here. So, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Please, I know we got through uh, three verses, but hey. <laughs> That's just how that's just how full God's Word is. I mean it's uh pretty amazing, so um, this will be a good starting point, like Tim's was saying, to getting into the timeline, and there's gonna be lots of good stuff coming up. so thank everyone for joining us. God bless and God speed. thank you guys.
4: God bless.